Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Biomass. We're on episode 144. Uh, I don't have a, a cool factoid for this one, but uh, I'm, I'm sure Jake can probably come up with something. I, I guess it is 12 squared, so that's that's cool. But uh, yeah, other than that, we got a lot of topics to go over today. Uh, some gaming news, uh, more Final Fantasy 14 stuff, uh, a few game reviews, and some uh, movies and, and other shows to talk about. So, without much further ado, let's get started with some introductions, starting at the top of the list with Sarayazel. I'm Soraya Zell. I'm a co-host here on the show. Um, I I play many games. I do not play uh, Pokey's favorite game, which is Final Fantasy XV right now. Um, I play other games. You just play Overwatch, right? I play some Overwatch. I play some Heroes of the Storm, um, Star Citizen. Um, my VR headset, when I can clear enough space in my house to, to, to do it, um, I actually spent a bunch of money um, on stuff to make my VR space a little bit easier to work with. And I, I still have not actually played any VR this week. I, but, I am you know. so desperately wanting somebody to have like a uh, like an Android or well, you know, like iPhone video view with your VR gear on, going after it. I just I desperately want that. <laughs> it's never going to happen. There's a reason I keep all the webcams and stuff in my house pointed elsewhere. I'm not even gonna touch that one. <laughs> hey, we'll just move along. All right, Bait, you're up, man. Hey, everybody. Uh, I'm Bait, and I play uh, Stardew Valley as of late. You uh, you planting some crops? Fuck, uh, what am I planting right now? I think I'm planting uh, parsnips and beans. I'm waiting for summer so I can plant blueberries and begin to flow in the gold. Oh, my God. You guys are killing me. <laughs> and, and, and so, and so, so Bait's favorite game is... Uh, Farmville, just not on Facebook. Uh, all right, uh, Jay. <laughs> Jay, you're yeah, my, my name is Jason. I'm also one of the co-hosts here. And um, there is, in fact, a uh, there, there's a temporary chemical element that's on the periodic table that was, I don't believe, discovered when I was in college memorizing the periodic table. So I, I'm not even going to try that one. However, I do know that 144 is the number of tiles that you need to play Mahjong. So... I, I'm a Mahjong master, having uh, like uh, iPad at that one for several years on numerous international flights. So uh, I do know that that is my 144 factoid for the uh, for the show. There you go. Uh, what games are you playing right now, Jay? Ooh, okay. So I have kind of dove back into World of Tanks a little bit. I've been uh, kind of reinvigorated on that one. And I'm really just devouring like a stream of small indie games. Uh, it's sort of your classic you know, five to fifteen dollar Steam Steam games that you can find pr pretty much anywhere, and uh, you're, you'd be amazed at how many of those the same games that you would find like in Steam that you can find on the PS4, uh, and maybe even in like an iPad, like a tablet view. So it's uh, it's actually pretty pretty interesting. So, but yeah, I'm I'm actually uh, whipping through quite quite a few of those right now. All right, sounds pretty good. And uh, I'm Pokey Draven. I help host the show. I write for the blog, and uh, I'm currently playing Final Fantasy XIV, um, not XV right now, and starting a new playthrough of Bloodborne and doing much, much better now that I've kind of wrapped my head around how to build my character and, and play the game a little bit better. So I'm, I'm having fun with that one. Uh, but yeah, so without much further ado, let's move on to some of our topics. So Zell, mobile Vive confirmed. What's going on with that? They haven't said too much yet, um, but they have said that they are doing one, and this is this is uh, an official. Um, this is from the HTC president of global sales, 
who said that uh, Vive is the very top end, and in the coming months you'll see our plans in terms of mobility and VR, and it's not a phone slapped in onto a headset. It, it'd be a different thing, is what he says. So... <laughs> Um, no, that, that that quote is is nasty. <laughs> like, there's so much salt in that quote with the whole the cell phone thing. Yeah, yeah, there is. Um, and it's funny too because it's coming from you know they're a cell phone company to begin with. Um, and it does it does sound though like it has something to do with a phone called the HTC U Ultra. So I'm really not sure what they're going for here. And obviously they're not saying it yet. But uh, you know, I mentioned back around the CES. Uh, time that there were there were a little bit of you know rumor going on that this might be a thing and so now now it's confirmed by you know uh, president of global sales so I figured it was uh, worth a mention. Yeah, that's kind of interesting. Um, you almost wonder if if they're going to have it be more of a instead of using the phone strapped to your face as the screen and as the uh, processor behind it, if it'll be you know its own ho- its own headset, but your the phone you know in your pocket or whatever is actually running the the brains of the the, the whole operation, and it's it's got a screen built into the headset. Mm-hmm. Or, it wearing, be, but, or it could be or it could be part of your controller. Use yeah, the phone that, as a that, controller that for too. it. Yeah, use use the phone for the controller, and maybe that's also pushing the you know the the graphics or whatever, and then the the headset is its own thing, and that way you're not totally constrained to the resolution of your phone to dictate how good of a viewing quality you're going to have because i mean that's that's kind of the big thing with with the samsung gear is that it it, it works but you can still very clearly tell well, it's a cell phone strapped to your face you know the, the, the resolution eh, is not there i hesitate to say that because as of right now really what you have in a vr headset is pretty much a phone screen um you know the the Oculus the the dev kits for the Oculus were actually like a Galaxy S6 faceplate shoved in the case. Um, and if you ripped open the headset, you'd actually find the Samsung logo and the you know it it was the literally the faceplate of a of a phone screen, just you know non removable in the box. Um, and like cell phone screens are pretty much the highest resolution screens out there. Um. The, the Vive is not significantly higher resolution than what you can do with the Gear VR. The difference is the processing power behind it. That's fair enough. But yeah, it should be interesting to see where they, they go, especially since, as you said, they are a cell phone company that it was a little, it was a little funny to, to see them not jump on it um, earlier than this. But uh, obviously they've been quite successful with their Vive Home edition. So seeing what they take this in the future will be interesting to say the least. Um, so moving along from that, uh, so it looks like, you know, a couple weeks ago we had tried to get into the Ghost Recon Wildlands closed beta, and I was unfortunately unsuccessful in getting a beta code. It seemed like that was kind of an issue that a lot of people experienced, even those who had pre-ordered the game, which was supposedly kind of got you a better spot, um, for the closed beta. So that, that didn't happen, but there is an open beta that is coming uh to everyone february 23rd through the 27th so that's that's coming up i will definitely be hopping on that this is kind of one of those games where i'm very skeptical but you know i want to give it a fair shot and you know see what it has to offer so i'll be trying that on pc probably i think jay you're probably gonna try it on on ps4 i assume right uh yeah i i am i'm kind of interested so you actually pre-ordered that though no i did not pre-order Oh, okay. No, I for some reason I thought you said you pre-ordered because I was thinking like if you no, if you no, pre-ordered no. and you didn't get it like and you didn't get into uh, like whatever the beta is the closed beta, that's like that's like criminal. Like if I'm oh, yeah. out, 
if I'm shelling out money and I haven't seen your product, you better be like making it rain, like 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 left and right for me. Uh, oh, for sure. I mean, there were there were people that were saying they did pre-order and they did not get into the close beta. And I'm, I I did not pre-order, but I I, I agree. I'd be pretty pissed off it's like well you know that's that's kind of an angle that a lot of companies take now is hey pre-order the game to get into the beta and i don't know if they explicitly said that but you know i if you're as a consumer doubling down on you know a developer's promises of delivering a product you should at least let them try it out if that's what you're doing with the beta you know i i was thinking about this we 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 mentioned this a couple shows ago so i i gotta ask you though like if you got into the beta for this Let's say you paid money and then you got into the beta and you didn't like it. Would you? It it is that is that actually better or not? Because in, in a weird way, like if I'm paying real money, I want like a real game. So I'm thinking I want to see the best thing they got. It's sort of like when they leak all the trail, you know, like leak trailers to uh, like sci-fi or superhero movies, but they don't have any of the special effects added into it. So it just looks like a bunch of guys with like green tights and dots on their face <laughs> running around. Yeah, I mean, for me, it's I often run to this issue where you see, you know, games look really good in their trailers, and they're nothing like the actual gameplay. And so, when you pre-order, you're you're kind of taking that risk, and it's like, you know, the beta is kind of your chance to see, okay, how how ugly is this thing, you know, compared to the the cool scripted shit they've shown me before. So. I, luckily, I haven't run into too many issues where I've pre-ordered a game and not like the beta because I don't pre-order games that much anymore because of a lot of issues you see. But you know, I can see where you're coming from in that as well. Yeah, no, no, I was just curious, man. I wasn't trying to trying to throw you off your vibe, man. I was no, no, I, I got a stream of consciousness as I was thinking about that. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it, it reminds me a bit of. Um, when I, I got into you know into the dust closed beta and I was so hyped and excited we, we were all hyped and excited and I'm in there and I'm like yeah yeah this is dust by one four and I'm like this kind of sucks <laughs> you know it's like oh this isn't nearly as good as I hoped it would be uh, well maybe it'll get better and, and you know the rest of the story but you know it, it is kind of that sickening feeling when you you know I, I didn't put money down to get into the dust beta but you know. I, I had invested in it later to get the whole mercenary package shit like that. But regardless, it was kind of this like, Oh, Ooh, this is not what I was hoping it would be when I was, you know, putting, putting cash down. So, <laughs> you know, it, it's a, it's kind of a sickening feeling, but yeah, so we'll, we'll get in there and, and kind of give it a review um, just on, on multiple platforms, see how it plays out and performs and stuff. Um, again, that's coming out February 23rd through the 27th and the game is releasing March 7th. So, uh, not a ton of time between beta and opening. That always kind of makes me a little nervous. It's better than For Honor, which was like two days. But uh, yeah, <laughs> so we'll we'll get we'll get that back to you, and we'll uh, whatever show lands after the day. Probably I think next show actually will be um, during the beta. So we'll we'll get back to you and review that one. Now, quick, uh, real quick, is that PC, PS4, and Xbox for the uh, beta? I believe it's also including Xbox, but it is, I know for sure, PS4 and PC. So I, I would only assume Xbox would be included Sweet. as well. Okay, good, good, good. good. So we'll, we'll, we'll get all, all three platforms and, and get a good review on that one. Uh, so moving along, there is a new uh, trailer. I will call it trailer, but it's, it's really gameplay footage, um, official footage for Mass Effect Andromeda. And this is going to be kind of a series of trailers and, and video clips that are released and kind of going over the systems of the game and, and showing stuff actually in-game, not just cinematic trailers. So that, that's, that's pretty cool. Uh, the first one to come out this week was the Weapons and Skills trailer. And this is pretty interesting. I kind of wanted to bring in uh, the guys in here who have actually played the trilogy because there, there was quite a bit of a difference um, from the kind of gameplay you were 
were seeing uh, in the original Mass Effect trilogy as compared to what we were seeing here, primarily kind of in in the options you have for movement. Now, I think we all kind of took a look at it. I know that that Bait has played the original Mass Effect, and I, I know that uh, Zell has as well. So I kind of want to get your guys' thoughts on on the movement and what's going on with that jetpack and the dashing and stuff like that, and just kind of get your feel on it. This is just the natural evolution of where these games have all gone since the last game came out. I mean, this this higher mobility play style is something that is possible in these game engines now you know the game engines these these games are all built on now support jump jets and various you know features like that and wall running and stuff like that and it's actually it's very surprising when a game chooses not to have them these days just because it's already there in the engine they're building with and you know in this case of course as they're talking about this being what a couple hundred years several hundred years from um uh the mass effect trilogy and so people are going to expect the technology to be better and, you know, cooler. And that's a lot of where this has gone. I don't like it, though. Like, for whatever reason. I am well, too bad. Tired. Get over it. You're stuck yeah, in it. Like, I, I, I get the whole, yeah, you're going to be able to, you know, jump straight up 40 foot. I, that I can kind of roll with. Like, I, I can totally see myself in a sticky situation be like, oh, shit, let me jump up 40 foot and get out of this. But... I mean, just from the, it seems like every game now that's coming out has the fucking jump jets and the, the dash and this, that, and I, I, I just don't like it. I'm tired of it. Well, I, I will, I'll, I think I'll kind of side with Zell a little bit on this one. Uh, I saw that, so I saw the video that Pokey put up, which by the way, the video is actually a, a pretty well done piece. And I believe it, it's come from the studio, I think. And it does lay out kind of some of the, the gameplay options and styles that you have in kind of the moment to moment uh of mass effect so mass effect traditionally has been a very you know kind of vanilla you know cover shooter style uh it was not it was not very not really dynamic it was smooth i mean don't get me wrong you know and particularly when you look at when those things came out it, it was certainly not bad but it was not a uh designed as a you know a really fluid minute to minute shooter so what i saw on the video was very reminiscent of the type of gameplay that you would get out of something like Destiny. So pretty smooth, and it gives you a lot of three-dimensional options in terms of what you want to do. So you take that that not not necessarily the raw mobility, but the the options for mobility, and then you couple that with the different sort of uh, power trees or skill trees that they have. You know, the, the classic tech tree, the combat tree, and then the uh, biotics tree. Um, and it, and you again start to it starts to sound a lot like uh, Destiny actually when you consider how they break those cl- the three main classes that they break down, uh, and then how you can sort of um, flexibly choose options. So I, I would say the 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 shooting like the minute minute shooting part is definitely more reminiscent of a of a current gen Destiny style game. That's that's exactly what it reminded me of when I saw it. Uh, versus what you would have traditionally gotten in one of the old Mass Effect games. Now, I do like this. I will say this, though. Um, I think it is probably a well-needed and acceptable upgrade. You don't have to use those options, but it gives you things that you can do. And, and oh, by the way, I don't think there's any PvP in it, so it's you're not going to get a bunch of you know dudes hopping around like they're on meth or something like you do in some games. So just a thought. 
Yeah, I'm gonna have, kind of have to agree with, with those guys as well. That I, I I like it just looking from like an like an, RP, an RPG aspect of developing a character. If you are, you know, giving characters that option that hey, I want to you know build a character that's you know a little more mobile, a little more stealthy, or, or can get around quicker, but I'm making sacrifices elsewhere to make that happen. I, I really like that, and I think that giving that element of of development for how you build your character is is actually a pretty good thing. So in that regard, I, I think it's it's fine. Um, I obviously haven't played the other Mass Effects in depth, so I can't really speak on how this makes me feel in terms of a, a, a change from the, the kind of movement and, and feel you had from the previous games. But like Jay said, it looks really good. Um, you know, like said, Destiny is actually a pretty good comparison. Destiny, I'm not a huge fan of that game, but that game is smooth as hell. Like it's it, it feels really good to play that game, and if you can get that kind of experience in in, in Andromeda Mass Effect, it it's that's going to be a really positive for the game. So I think that's that's a good thing there. Um, but overall, it, it didn't seem like it it really broke the core feel of the game, and I think that's kind of where when you bring in a new feature that that departs quite a bit from previous systems that's that's kind of the key thing there it didn't turn into this um you know i'll use example of, of going from like dark souls to bloodborne dark souls is very slow you're heavy very you know gritty you're you know lots of armor and shields and stuff like that and it was deliberate and slow and then you went to bloodborne which was not a sequel by any means but it was you know spiritually related to and it was very quick there was no blocking you would just kind of dash around and, and it, it felt very different but it's still felt okay because it felt like it fit the game it fit it fit kind of the experience that they were trying to look for and i think from what i'm seeing in this trailer for the new mass effect you still kind of have that mass effect feel to the gameplay it's kind of this you know dodge and weave you're you're taking cover here and moving up here but you know again they have those additional options they can work with where you know he can you know jump up to get up above the guy or whatever and it it, it kind of helps streamline the experience instead of you got to run over and climb a ladder. I mean, if that's the kind of game you want to deliver, sure. But I think for the kind of media, or rather the kind of audience they're going for for this, I think it, it probably helps to make that a little more smooth. And, you know, you've got the limited ability to, to jump up there or move over here. And it, it makes the whole thing flow a bit better. And you can create, you know, some more interesting encounters where that actually is very beneficial and makes the combat in, in the way that each battle plays out a little more interesting. So I think overall it could be a good thing. Uh, again, I can't really comment on, on my feelings and, and how it departs from, from what you saw before, but just in a, a general sense of, of game design, I think it's, it's okay if it's done correctly. And from what I've seen in this trailer, granted, it's, it's only a few minutes and it's on actual hands-on, you're playing it, but still it, it looks like it was done uh, pretty well. So I, I think in that regards, it, it should probably be okay. Um, for, for this game one thing i uh i really liked actually in this video was that uh they had they after they showed some of the movement they were talking about uh you know the the set of weapons that were available in this and it looked like they had essentially three different um species of worth of weapons and that each one had a completely different functional mechanic that was cool i i enjoyed that a lot yeah i, I kind of got Eve vibes off of that, where it's like, okay, well, it's it's a shotgun, but if you use this racist shotgun, it behaves like this. If you use this other racist shotgun, it behaves, you know, it's got freaking heat-seeking plasma bolts. Like, that's that's pretty cool. That, that does lead, lend itself to, you know, you can, again, build your character in a very specific way that may benefit, you know, certain kind of weapons that you you like to use, or this particular race you like to use because it works with how you built your character. That's That's cool for me. I think they're also... pretty dope too, man. They had that uh, that little cloak field that, that was pretty cool coming up behind uh, 
behind enemies and then i think you get the damage buff when you attack from from uh from the cloak which was which is really cool yeah in secondary fire for the weapons where like if you charge certain yeah. weapons they'll they'll do different effects or do more damage or stuff like that it's it, it's again just more fast to kind of break up the gameplay and let you kind of experiment and and try different things that may work better in certain situations Kind of makes me wonder if they'll if they'll uh, bring if they'll carry over the uh, the different kinds of bullets that you could have. So like in the and I know in three for sure I can't remember uh, in the other two um, you could equip certain kinds of, of of bullets. So you had like incendiary bullets and uh, I think there was like an uh, an electro bullet that that did damage uh, you know more effectively to to say shields or against flesh. Um, so I, I'm curious to see if they uh, will carry that over in addition to having, uh, I guess, these these racial weapon abilities. Yeah, that'll be interesting to see. And it also sounds like they removed um, weapon type restrictions. So you any class can use any type of weapon. Um, they may have skills that benefit certain weapons more, but you aren't completely locked into using a certain type, which is kind of something that turned me off about the original Mass Effect for what little I played of it. It was like, oh, well... This guy sounds great, but I can only use pistols. It's like, eh, it doesn't really make sense. That doesn't really sound like fun because I may not like pistols, but I may like, you know, the skill set that that character has. So I, I think that's that's also probably an improvement um, from my perspective. But yeah, overall, it, it looks like it's it's pretty cool stuff. And again, this is going to be a series of videos that's coming out. Um, I, I, I'm drawing a blank on what they said the next uh, next video is going to be, but I, we will have a link to the description, a link to the video in the description of the, uh, the show here. So you should go check it out and, uh, and keep, keep your eyes peeled for, um, you know, the, the videos that come out over the next couple of weeks. And we'll, we'll try to cover them as well, because this is one that I'm, I'm actually getting pretty hyped for. I was, I was a little, you know, standoffish. I get a little paranoid just because you hadn't seen any really solid gameplay, but now that we're really starting to get some really good looks at how the game is going to feel and play, I'm, I'm getting pretty hyped for this one. So uh, yeah, Mass Effect Andromeda, and we'll keep covering that as we move forward. Is, I think they're going to focus on some class stuff. There you go. Leap to the rescue. So yeah, class stuff is the next video. And uh, I'm not sure the frequency they're bringing these out, but we will be sure to talk about them when they do pop up. Okay, so moving along, uh, this is the part of the show where I ramble about Final Fantasy XIV because they just had their third and final fan festival for um, the, the MMO Final Fantasy XIV. Uh, and this one was in Frankfurt. So uh, uh, lots of new details concerning the new Stormblood expansion that's coming out uh, in the next few months. Uh, they did confirm that the second job that's going to be released along with Red Mage is going to be the Samurai. Uh, if you've been following along, you, you probably kind of guessed it. it. It was hinted at pretty heavily, and, and there was a lot of discussion going around, but it, it you know it's... It's kind of as expected. Um, it is going to be a DPS class and not a tank, even though there was quite a bit of talk about it being a tank. It's, it's kind of interesting that they went with uh, two DPS classes being added for the expansion, but uh, there, there are some reasons behind that that uh, I'll let you kind of discover on your own. It's, it's kind of a nitty-gritty in terms of, of matchmaking and stuff. But uh, yeah, so Samurai is going to be a DPS class. Uh, there are two new areas. Uh, we, we knew that we were going to go to Alamigo, which was kind of hinted at in the, the lead-up to the story, but also we are going to Orth Othard, which is kind of the Japanese-style um, continent off to the east of where the game is currently taking place, so that kind of explains why the samurai job is being added. Uh, new housing area. 
Um, and as we talked about before, they are dropping the PlayStation 3 support with uh, this new expansion. So I, I believe that once this goes live, the PS3 version for even if you don't get the expansion, it's it's gone. Um, a lot of the systems are being held back by the PS3, particularly the inventory, uh, which is really, really problematic um, for what the game is trying to do. And it just it can't do it because the PS3 is, is causing issues. So Square Enix is offering a free upgrade. If you own the PS3 version, they will allow you to upgrade to a digital PS4 version for free. So if you haven't already bought a PS4 and you want to, you want to play on console, now's the time. Um, and they will, will take care of you in that regard. So you won't be left behind. You just got to obviously own the console. Uh, they are also looking to add a PS4 Pro patch to the game. Uh, but they said they aren't really interested in necessarily bringing it to a 4k resolution they don't think that would really benefit the game much they're going to kind of use that instead to uh boost the general performance of the game better frame rate better load times that sort of thing kind of bring it more in line with you know at least how the, the pc version of the game plays so that'll be good if you haven't owned a ps4 uh going into the stormblow expansion uh and this whole thing is coming out uh, june 20th 2017 so it's coming out this year um so i guess that's about four months away from from today or tomorrow or so. So uh, we still got a ways to go, but they are going to continue to patch and update the game uh, moving forward. Uh, if you've been following along, there is a 3.55 patch that's coming out. Unfortunately, they did run into a bug with the Didem update, uh, and so they were forced to basically cut that part out of this upcoming patch. So February 28th, 3.55a, because Square Enix has to be crazy with their, their naming conventions, uh, that's releasing, and that's kind of everything they had promised um, for that patch, minus the Didem update because of that issue. Uh, and then they expect that the Didem part, so 3.55b, will be coming out either March 7th or March 14th. So not, not too much longer, but it will be a bit of a delay. Most likely they have to get it through um, Sony's vetting process, and, and it, that takes time, obviously. So they didn't want to delay the release. That's why they, they kind of split it into two parts. Um, the 3.6 update, or the 3.5 part 2, uh, is kind of going to be the, the final conclusion of the Heavensward storyline, uh, leading directly into the Stormblood storyline. There's no release date on that, but you know, expect some small updates moving forward between you know March and June, and, and I'm sure that 3.5 part 2 will drop sometime in there. Uh, kind of just to, to give people a, a steady flow of content to kind of tide them over until the final expansion release on June 20th. So, um, overall, I'm Super hyped for this. Uh, it's kind of the main game I'm playing right now is Final Fantasy XIV. Uh, it's a really great MMO. Um, even if you're not a, a you know a Final Fantasy player, it's I still think it's it's definitely worth taking a look at. Um, it is paid monthly subscription, but like I said, they update constantly and it's really really high quality stuff. And, and they do a good job and, and listen to player feedback really well. So uh, much props to uh, the development team on that. And I, it's it's worth the money for me by by far. So. Uh, yeah, so that's that's my update for the uh, fan fest that just ended this last weekend. Good deal. Uh, I, I think I'm not a huge I'm not a huge backer of that, but uh, you, you've got me a little bit interested in it. I'll give you that. So I, if if nothing else, I give your uh, I give your sales hook maybe like an eight out of ten. <laughs> okay, but yeah. So uh, yeah, that that's all I've got for that now. Um, I did promise uh, last week that I would kind of keep going over some of the free games that were coming out for PlayStation Plus users. And so uh, last week I did um, Star Wall, which was ridiculous. But this week I did uh, Not a Hero. And Not a Hero is kind of a 
pixel art side shooter action platformer. So the story is completely ridiculous. The idea is that there is this uh, rabbit, this anthropomorphic rabbit that's come back from the future. His name is Bunny Lord, and he's seen the end of the world that's terrible, and he's going to save the world by cracking down on crime and running for mayor. So basically you play as Steve, who's his campaign manager, uh, and you go on a murderous rampage of killing all of the crime lord bosses in the city and, and all of this so it's it's completely stupid and as you as you complete levels and and and, you know um get achievements the approval rating of this guy who's running for mayor uh goes up and that's kind of your your way of tracking your progress through the game so uh it's it's really hard (laughs) um it it has a lot of uh it has the same kind of feel as hotline miami if you're familiar with that one um you basically really simple controls you know it's more about reflexes rather than complicated control input um you're it's like I said, it's like a side scroller platformer you're running around shooting bad guys picking up grenades and stuff like this but uh it gets really challenging i didn't get too far into it but uh the, some of the later levels were, were were pretty rough um like i said it had a very hotline miami feel to it where you were kind of redoing levels to kind of learn how to tackle the challenges they throw at you and it was it was you know it's good if you like that kind of game where it's it's kind of this grindy learn how to you know master each level you know bit by bit until you finally clear it um but yeah it's it's kind of this crazy um pixel art stupid story but you know it's kind of uh addictive in the sense that it's kind of got that i don't want to say roguelike but just that very hardcore skill-based you know um near insta-death uh sort of sort of gameplay so uh that is not a hero and that that is free on uh if you have playstation plus that is free um for this month up until march 7th uh but if you want to purchase it it's available on ps4 and pc for 13 dollars um i I saw it on steam for 13 bucks i'm not sure about other other uh, outlets but i assume it's probably the same price so it was it was pretty fun i don't know if i'd pay the full 13 but i'm also kind of cheap when it comes to these kinds of games but if it was like you know eight bucks five eight bucks I'd, I'd probably hop on it but it is definitely worth your time to pick up and give it a shot if you do have playstation plus uh that actually sounds pretty that's that's kind of right up the alley some of the games that i've been playing uh here recently so i i, I did troll through playstation plus uh you know for the last two or three days uh just checking something out i didn't i didn't catch on to that one i'll probably i'm going to take that one down and go back and look at it there, there are some kind of classics that I that you can dig up, uh, like kind of your uh, sort of top-down sort of hack and slash type stuff. Those are kind of fun couch co-op games that you can play. Uh, so I kind of redid some Marvel of them, Ultimate Alliance too. It's kind of fun. It's 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 been a long time since I played that. It was actually really well done. I did pick up a game called Valley that was. Um, it's really hard to describe. It's it's uh, it's definitely a first-person movement game. Uh, but it's I think it's maybe six or seven bucks, so it's not quite in the free to play category like you're describing. But there's uh, Valley was I, I don't know that I would recommend it. It's very novel to play for about twenty minutes, and that's about it. A lot of these games are kind of fall into that realm, like sort of the free to play games. But they really remind me of stuff that I could find on the old original NES. Uh, you know, like truly like Atari level uh, or slightly better than Atari or original original Gen Nintendo type type games uh some of them can be quite uh quite innovative there's one called oregon trail have you heard that not oregon but oregon trail or oregon trail yeah <laughs> I, so li- tell, literally tell me they, more <laughs> so it's uh, this is right up your alley so basically what they what the guy did he took oregon trail 
and zombied everything out. So like the, it literally looks like the old Oregon Oregon Trail game that you probably played on a PC back when they had like the five inch floppy disks. Uh, but he changed everything to zombies, and you're traveling in a Winnebago or or a station wagon or something like that instead of a, a Conestoga wagon. So it's and I, I think that I think that one is free to play on the PlayStation Four. It's pretty funny, by the way. It's it's absolutely hilarious. Some of the dialogue choices in there, but it's uh, it, you know that's the kind of thing that you could like kill a couple of hours with, you know, and uh, probably be okay with. Oh yeah, this this looks good. Looks like it's it's ten dollars on, on PS4, but uh, this is hilarious because you're right. It really is. They've they've done their best to replicate the same art style as uh, the original Oregon Trail. Um, but <laughs> I'm gonna have to take a look at this one. This looks pretty funny. It is five dollars on Steam. What? Play it on PC then. <laughs> now I'm telling you that if you if you cross reference Steam and PS in the PS Plus right now, you would be amazed at how many games that you think are like some little kind of uh, self-marketed, you know, indie indie game that's on Steam that's also on PS4. You'd be absolutely amazed. It's kind of like the, uh, you know, if you look at how we're doing this podcast, what, what I'm seeing with games right now, I've been watching this for the last few weeks, I've been actually thinking about, you know, believe it or not, actually writing on it. Um, you, you get the same effect in terms of publishing your game that writers got when you could literally self-publish into uh, into Apple or Amazon. You basically cut out cut out the middleman, so you can offer a book or, in this case, a game for little what most people think is next to nothing, and it's almost raw profit at that point. Uh, so there, there's a there's a lot of interesting dynamics or that you can see from predominantly in the writing world, like the actual like fiction or nonfiction, like the actual like writing a book world, and how games work because you're not really dealing with publishers anymore if you self-publish. And the advent of digital technology in terms of the ability to, to reach straight into the producer of the game, you know, the, the actual person that is creating the game and then downloading it for your consumption is creating this kind of neat little uh, economic vibe here. But if you put PS the PS Store up and you put Steam up like side by side on your computer, you would be amazed at how many of the same games you find that you think are PC only. And that's actually a trend I have been seeing lately with a lot of games that I wouldn't expect to make their way over to uh, PS4 actually doing it. Like uh, Seven Days to Die is a really good example of that, where it's this, you know, eternally in alpha, ultra rough, like it's not polished at all. And, and it, they, they've moved it over to PS4 and it's a terrible port, but it's still one of the best selling games on there. Um, and that's that's very indie game. And, and I was like, oh, wow, and that, that's actually what got me into the game and then I ultimately went and picked it up on PC because it, it runs a lot better. But it, nonetheless, you you you're right. You do see these these indie developers actually moving on to console, and it's it's surprising, but it's it's good because I think it gives them a lot of uh, a much larger base they can pull from, and especially if the games are are inexpensive. You know, console players are not used to games that are you know 10 20 bucks they're they're used to you know dropping 60 on it when it comes out so when you can port a game for for 20 bucks they're you're much more likely i think to pick up people that are um they, they, it's, gonna, it's gonna feel like a good deal to them regardless because what they're used to is a much higher price point than pc players are so i think that that's actually doing a lot of wonders for a lot of um indie developers right now yeah, I mean, generally, I'm just sitting here trolling through the PlayStation Store, and uh, what? He, so I also, well, I've got Steam up and I've got PlayStation up. I also pulled up my iPad, and there's again 
a fair amount of cross reference in between those three platforms. But I think it's kind of the old solve. Like if you're getting a if you're getting a game that's either free or let's say seven bucks, you know, what whatever it is, something that's uh, you know basically significantly cheaper than what you'd pay for an hour and a half or two hour movie, and you're going to get maybe let's say three hours of of playtime out of it, like you know before the game runs out or you get tired or whatever. That's actually not bad. That's I mean from a just a cost benefit analysis. It's pretty good. Like I, I played subject 13 the other day. Um, it's a, it's on PS4, uh, off the plus it's, it's kind of a throwback to your like old school, like missed games, if you will, you know, like where it's kind of a, definitely a puzzling puzzle game. It's not, it, it's a pretty good looking game. It's not like in this beautifully rendered game. Like Mist was back in the day, by the way, Mist back in the day is can't hold a candle to graphics now, but, um, it was pretty fun. I mean, you know, it was it was worth a few, worth a couple hours, you know, hanging out, drinking some coffee. Um, so th- you can find that kind of thing, and you and once you make that kind of price point decision on, I'm hey, this I'm okay if this I just play this for a couple hours. It's fine. Uh, people will, will do that all day long. I think uh, that's even that's even outside of the free to play sort of uh, pay as you go model. Yeah, it kind of falls into that insta-buy category where it's that price point where I'm like, if I'm moderately interested in it, it's below a certain price point, I'll just pick it up. You know, I'm, I'm not going to yeah, sit and hit exactly. about it. And it, 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 I've I've bought a lot of games that I probably didn't get what I would consider my typical money's worth out of. But again, it's like it's it's five bucks. You know, I'm not going to even remember that I bought it. You know, in in two weeks because it's it's such a small amount, and you know, it, it just it works. And every once in a while, you do hit you know, like a real gem where it's like, wow, I I pick this up for five bucks. Like um, Torchlight Two, for example, is is kind of my my go to for this example where it's um you know kind of a Diablo style game. I think I paid eight bucks for it on the Steam sale, and I put like 190 hours into it, like way beyond what I would normally expect for for value versus, you know, gameplay. And, you know, every once in a while you find a gem like that, it just it works out well, and it does kind of encourage you to, to you know, maybe take a small risk, you know, I'll, I'll drop five, eight bucks on this and, and see how it goes. And, you know, it may be a flop, but, you know, I think when you find those real gems, it actually works out really well for you. Yeah, no, I, I, think, you're, I think you're absolutely spot on with that. Alrighty, so let's move along here. So let's talk about Ghost in the Shell, the second trailer that came out uh, this week. Um, what were your guys' thoughts on that before I, I kind of start talking about it with with the trailer that, that came out? Uh, I I actually it, it's very much in line, at least uh, in my eyes, is uh, it shows the clear theme of the movie in terms of like the visual theme. It's as far as I can tell. I mean, it looks. Gosh, like a almost a shot-to-shot remake of at least a lot of elements out of the original anime Ghost in Ghost in the Shell. Um, I I don't think I saw anything new in there. There's maybe three or four flash cuts of something that we haven't seen yet. Uh, different soundtrack, slightly different tone. Um, but I'm I'm still I'm still pretty high on the movie. I, I'm still very intrigued to see to see how it is. And I will, I will call this now, this might be one of those, uh, one of the few times where the remake is better than the original. I'm going to, I'm going to call that right now. Uh, yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll agree that the visuals are, are spot on. It, it looks, it looks absolutely fantastic. And they've done a great job at recreating um, the world of, of ghost in the shell, but obviously in a, 
a modernized and in, in live action format. I, I am a little concerned about the story elements. Um, and this could just entirely be uh, the trailer being, you know, a boiled down version of what the story is supposed to be about. But I got the vibe of that. It's just going to be a, Oh, I have amnesia and it's a revenge plot against people who did stuff to me that I don't remember. That's kind of the vibe I got from this trailer, which leaves me a bit concerned. Um, not a huge fan of that. It's, it's a little cliche. I could be totally wrong in, in the direction the movie goes with that. That could be just to, you know, sell the movie because people will eat that stuff up. But, you know. No, yeah. well, I'll tell you what, you know, you, you bring an interesting point to, to that, Pokey. I'll, I'll, I'll grant you that, that uh, it had a little bit more of a traditional, tr- you know, kind of tone in the trailer. The I don't know what happened to me in the past. I need to do this Jason Bourne thing to figure out what's going on which is a very standard movie trope, uh, you know, from really bad movies to some really good movies. Uh, here's what I will say though, it, knowing what's in ghost in the shell, like knowing that story, having watched that, that movie more than a few times over the last, uh, like how, how many years that thing's been out. Um, I would say it is incredibly difficult to unpack in a trailer, anything more than that. If you got like 90 seconds for a trailer, does that make sense? Yeah, no, I hear you. And I'll bet you, if you go back and you look at, um, if you go to like Netflix or you go to wherever your digital streaming services that has Ghost in the Shell, just click on the trailer for it. I'll bet you it's almost exactly the same as what you saw, but it, it'll be, you know, 30 year old Japanese anime cartoon, not live action with uh, ScarJo, like wearing the, you know, digital nudie outfit. <laughs> yeah, and and that's that's a very good point. And and you know, it, I think part of it me is just the the diehard fan has watched this stuff for a very long time, being very hypersensitive to you know this adaptation and how it's going to be handled because it is it, it's definitely one of my favorites. So you know, I'm I'm not one to be overly critical of films that are you know adaptations, but on this one, I'm I'm probably a little sensitive to it. So. It is entirely possible that I'm I'm overreacting to the tone of the trailer set, and it, it, I'll actually will go and check out the the old trailer and, and see uh, how it varies. And it, it'd be it'd be kind of funny actually if it was if it was very similar because uh, if they can you know kind of make this film be one to one to the original, um, I think if you can get people in the door, and if you have to kind of make the trailer feel a little shayish to make that happen, fine. I think if you get people in the door though. Uh, it will do well. I mean, the, the original obviously did very well. I think that the, like I said, the visuals for this one are fantastic. I think it's very modernized, and I think people would actually probably be fairly accepting of it if they, you know, can get people to, to kind of digest what's going on. Um, I think overall it'll probably be successful um, regardless. It's just kind of a matter of are the, the, the old fans going to be you know, annoyed with, with how it was done or or will it, will it actually work out pretty well? I'm absolutely confident at some point there's going to be some, uh, neck beard that leaps up and almost spills popcorn on me screaming that no, (laughs) she held the knife in her right hand, not her left hand or some, you know, something ridiculous like that. Uh, and, and I'm sitting here thinking through this, you know, and and I was like, you know, I'm, I'm kind of, I was picking up what you're putting down in terms of the, yeah, I don't want it to be like kind of a standard, you know, you know, that like to say that standard movie trope thing, the Jason Bourne type deal. But in essence, though, that's that really was, if you think about it, that was the that was the platform. Uh, you know, there's a lot of other very subtle, you know, a lot of topics that gets thrown around in the original anime. But that really was kind of the core of it, though. I mean, if you think about it, 
at least that was the vehicle. That may not have been the core of the story, but that was the vehicle, the story that got you there was the, uh, I think I'm one thing. I find out I'm another, uh, another than I'm trying to figure out what my past really was. Um, interspersed with just your know, mind blowing action scenes. So I, I could absolutely see where you're coming from on that one. I, I truly do. Uh, I'm, I'm still kind of feeling this one though. I'm, Maybe it's just Depeche Mode from the original trailer. I don't know, but I, I got a good I got a good feel about this one. Yeah, no, it's 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 not anything that I'm I'm counting out. I will most definitely see it when it comes out. It's I'm I'm still being very cautious about it, but I, I think it still has the potential. Like you said, that the the obviously the the action and, and the aesthetic is is kind of the the vehicle for for the series. That's always been the case. That's always been done very well. Um, and and they could probably do just that, and it would actually perform quite well. I just hope that the kind of the meat of it, kind of the the undertones of, of the story, the philosophical side, doesn't get lost um, in that that transition. And and if it does, well, I saw a cool sci-fi action film. And if it is in there, then you know, freaking sweet, I'll be I'll be super hyped. So either way, it'll it'll probably be a good movie. Um, I just you know I'm, I'm hoping for the best, but being cautious of the worst. So uh, looking forward to that one. Sounds like a plan. Alrighty, so Zell. I hear you. Uh, you saw some some plastic figurines with with masks this week. Yes, it did. Lego Batman. Um, I you know the one thing that was kind of sad was um, that uh, last week uh, Lego Batman was on the IMAX screen, um, which was its release week. And so uh, when I went this week, I was kind of expecting to see it in the full IMAX 3D to do. And uh, I guess the Great Wall uh, won out for uh, IMAX this week, and so um, I had to watch it in a good old-fashioned normal screen, and I was kind of like, well, darn, if I'd gone to see Lego Batman first and John Wick second, I could have seen Lego Batman on IMAX, but let's be honest, John Wick 2 was was the first thing I needed to see in my life. Um, Possibly the last thing I need to see in my life, too, I'm not sure. Um... But, uh, yeah, so it was a good movie. It, was, um, it wasn't it was as good as the original Lego movie. I'm not sure if that's primarily the fact that uh, the Lego movie itself was, as a, as a first-time outing, just fantastic. Um, but, uh, you know, the, the, the thing that's always fun is it's very, uh, it's very self-aware. Um, they make a lot of uh, DC movie jokes that uh, you cannot, you, you can't get away with, like, if you're not a Lego movie. Um... I mean, they they took they took pot shots at Batman v Superman. They took pot shots at uh, the Suicide Squad movie. Um, that was funny, by the way. That was one of the funniest lines in the movie. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there, there there was, uh, and I, I would try to not ruin this, but one of my favorite comments was actually in a song, and it was about taxes. Um, and and if if Jay's seen this, then he probably knows knows the line. And and I just there there were some just these self aware moments that I that just I I cracked up. It was fantastic. Um, you know they they threw in, you know obviously it was is primarily focused on DC uh, properties, but they threw in cameos all over the place of all sorts of things, whatever they could whatever they could trot out because Lego you know owns Lego has partnerships with almost every major franchise out there. Um, and, uh, they, they used them. They, <laughs> they absolutely used those partnerships that they have. And, um, it, there, there was, yeah, it was, it was amusing. Um, but you know, you're only going to get so much out of it. It is a kid's movie. Um, you know, they say, but a lot, there's a, you know, there's, uh, the, the 
primary plot of this of this uh, movie essentially comes out to teamwork is a good thing. Um, you know, you're getting a certain fare when you go for it, but it, it was good. It was good. Yeah, I, I will have to say that that was actually a uh, a pretty solid, pretty solid outing. Uh, it, it works on a lot, like a lot of movies nowadays. It works on a lot of different levels. Like my my eight year old, he liked it a lot, and uh, it, there's quite a bit of uh, double entendres and and there's some really good humor in this. It's very smartly done. Will Arnett, excellent excellent job as the Batman. Uh, so I, I would definitely give this one a uh, two thumbs up. Um, I have to say, Zell, I'm surprised that the Lego movie is something that would merit an IMAX screen. Is that normal? Do they normally put those kinds of movies on there? I Well, yeah. Big kid movie? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I, I, I always just assumed that was preserved for you know, Avatar, Lord of the Rings, and big epics. I no, never I mean, expected they, a Lego movie. They they put a they they have at least something on IMAX every week. So it's just a question of um, you know, what's coming out, whether or not it's uh, you know, there's certain movies that are obviously um, they have prep for IMAX, and then whether they keep them on for X number of weeks or you know let some other movie take over. You know, sometimes there are movies in IMAX for weeks that are just not good movies but it's just it's what they have um to work with there and then uh sometimes there's a movie like the lego batman movie where i wanted to see it in imax but because something else came out that uh that you know used imax cameras and was all imax partnered up that uh you know gets gets that outright and unfortunately there's only one imax screen in my theater which is pretty common Good stuff. I did not know that. I'm I'm not one that tends to see IMAX films just because the the price point's a bit higher. But uh, yeah, it's, it's interesting. I go IMAX whenever I can. It's just a better screen. Um, it's a better screen. It's a better experience. Um, you know, one of the nice things at my theater um, that I was initially a little annoyed at, but have definitely come to appreciate over time is that our IMAX theater started uh, doing uh, seat reservations. When you purchase the tickets, you uh, select your seat. Um, and so if you buy online, you can uh, purchase the exact seats you want to sit in and then uh, show up three minutes before the movie and sit down right where you wanted to. Whereas, um, you know, for the Lego Batman movie this this weekend, um, we were the first in line and uh, it ended up that some lady had jumped the line that uh, and just gone into the theater and re- t- took the best seats in the house um, before the line was open. Um, so... <laughs> You know, there's there's upsides and downsides to that, um, but uh, you know the seat reservation's nice. It is it's just a bigger, wider perspective screen. Um, it's more cinematic, and um, you know the thing about a, the Lego Movie is is like the 3D is actually really good in movies like this because they are full CGI. So it's not like it's a post converted 3D. It was a movie that was rendered in 3D, and then you you know and. So if you see it in 2D, they're they're literally flattening it. Hmm. I hadn't thought of it that way. That's that is one good thing about seeing movies uh, in IMAX. A lot of times, with the advent of a lot more digitization in the actual movie process now, uh, there's a lot of movies, particularly like big bigger movies, uh, they are somewhat produced with the idea that they're going to be in an IMAX type format. Uh, so they do they do adjust some things a little bit. So uh, I I don't I don't know that Lego Batman is uh, is a you know, something that absolutely must be done in IMAX. I would I would say I'm a big fan of IMAX generally, but the movie itself was actually quite good. It's very entertaining. Again, very well done. In fact, most of the Lego movies are are 
pretty solid. Uh, you know, they've got a pretty burgeoning TV empire as well, you know, with quite a few different uh, Lego based shows and Lego properties. So they're doing pretty good for themselves. They actually, they had a trailer and uh, before the Lego Batman movie for like their Lego Ninja go movie, which looked yeah, like Ninjago. it had, yeah. yeah, it looked like it had kind of the same production quality. I just have like no interest in it. And I think it's a little bit of a, maybe a little bit too much, you know? Well, the, the Ninjago stuff, that's actually a really, really popular, uh, kids show probably, you know, probably about, you know, like seven, eight, eight years, years old. Uh, and it's got a pretty popular toy line too. So they, totally see why they would do it it'll, it'll it'll make money i'm sure but it's not going to be as appealing to uh those of us who uh you know played legos 20 years ago no probably not not at all and on that line actually the the games that they produce are actually pretty solid too like i, I my brother used to play the lego um star wars series quite a bit and it was you know it's typical lego stuff it's it's not really anything close to what actually happens in the movies, but it, it's, it's a parody of, of everything. It's, well, they've got a formula hilarious. and they stick to it and, and they, they, and Zell's right. They Lego partners with everybody. Uh, so they have a formula for their games that they can follow in terms of sort of the style of play and sort of the, you know, looseness of it. And I would also tell you, I mean, they, they can be, they're certainly not challenging games by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, but like I, I played the, uh, Legend, uh, was it uh, Lego Marvel game with with my kid? That's a surprisingly deep game. There's like their stock and trade really is pretty easy, engaging gameplay with a lot of uh, humorous cutscenes and elements darted into it. They generally follow the story that, that you would expect. And then when I got into like the the Marvel one, uh, that was really kind of cool from like a fanboy side because while the again the minute to minute gameplay is something my my son can enjoy and it's not bad i mean like i said absolutely not difficult at all just got to you know figure out what you know the right bad guy to zap or you know the right thing to throw the boulder at or whatever but um the number of easter eggs and like fan nods that are i mean it's that game is definitely all about exploring and finding stuff and i'm gonna and most of the Lego games are like that, uh, where if you're really into that property uh, you, and you search everywhere, uh, just finding all the stuff is a big accomplishment. And that's actually kind of fun. And I'm, I, I assume that there's got to be a Lego Batman. There's another Lego Batman game or something like that coming out any minute now, if it's not already out. Yeah, I'm sure they'll do a movie tie-in game. I actually, I just looked... They've the the company that makes these the uh, which is uh, called TT Games. Uh, they've made uh, like thirty uh, Lego games, um, and uh, so yeah, it's it's a prolific amount of content they've they've thrown together. Oh yeah, I mean, like I said, man, you're, you're right. They part they are partnered with everybody, uh, so it's it is kind of cool because they can do a lot of kit bashing together in some of their games uh, and some of their movies actually, where they have a lot of different properties you don't think would uh, have cameos in there. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's pretty good stuff. And, and like you said, they've got a formula that they stick to and it just kind of works for, for whatever they, they attach it to. So it's, it's good to see. And I, I think it, it definitely gives, um, particularly for like parents of, of younger kids that, that like it because it's a Lego movie, but then the, the humor that's, probably a little bit you know a higher level is is allows to be you know engaging for the parents as well so that's that's always good stuff to 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 kind of play around with 
But speaking of uh, DC properties or, or Marvel properties, uh, Jay, you said you you checked out a uh, animation of Justice League Dark. You want to tell us a bit about that? Uh, yeah, sure. So Justice League Dark is a uh, recently released. Uh, I think within the last couple of weeks, actually, uh, one of the DC uh, DC animated movies, which they as questionable as some of their live action movies are, their uh, series of uh, uh, animated movies is actually the quality is really really good uh, all the way dating dating back to the original batman animated movies really well done excellent voice acting so um and, and it, it's it's they're generally i would say kind of in that pg-13 sort of sort of category definitely shifted more for an adult audience uh most of them are any, anyway so justice league darks actually a episodic run that they do like in actual comic books. So it's, it's sort of, it's basically if you, if you take the justice league, which you guys all know, it's kind of the standard, you know, the big three, Batman, Superman, wonder woman, then you add in some green lanterns some flash and then any three or four other heroes that you want to name that, that have been in the justice league, they sort of do the Avengers level, like world's going to end kind of thing, you know, aliens attack, you know, that big robots, that kind of thing. Well, there's, there is the Justice League Dark, which is they don't. It's not called that per se, but um, it's basically a team of like on-call or sort of B-level characters in the DC world that are you know, generally mystical in nature or have some sort of uh, you know connection with with the magic, the occult, supernatural things like that, um, and they bring them together to work on problems that are much, you know, again, mystical in nature because uh, magic doesn't, you know, it, it, there's not a lot of instances where you see magic being a, uh, a major power in the DC world. I would, uh, I would, I would say the exception to that is like Shazam, you know, Captain Marvel. The, he is basically the magical equivalent of Superman. So anyway, uh, fast forward to now. So justice league dark is basically a, a uh, adult, styled uh comic book movie that takes off on it's not I don't, I don't believe it's an actual printed justice league dark story it's like an original story but it captures the premise very well so long story short a something is making some people hallucinate across the world you know here and there dotted they have these psychotic episodes which leads to some pretty grisly imagery for a for a you know a dc movie in terms of like sort of the aftermaths of what happens to some of the victims and stuff like that. Like, you know, a guy goes crazy, tries to kill his family. Uh, a lady driving down the street imagines all the people on the street are monsters. So she starts hitting them with her car to find out the normal people. Well, the justice league is trying to figure out what is going on with this. And uh, Batman sort of tracks down a couple of people that uh, they've, that the justice league has had dealing dealings with and he get, and they, and he really, doesn't quote unquote lead the team, if you will, but he is sort of a catalyst of like, Hey, here's a problem. Who do we talk to, to figure this out? And then amongst all of these people in the DC kind of mystical world, they, you, you know, they sort of bring themselves together. Uh, and at the end of the end, of, end of the, the show, the justice leagues, like we would really like to almost basically keep you guys on retainer. And so they really get into some deep cuts. So they're, so Constantine, uh, which counter Reeves played him in a movie, there's a short-lived but but fairly popular uh, TV show for Constantine. He's basically a uh, supernatural private eye, so to speak. 
a lot of deep dark backstories with him. Zatanna, uh, she's been in and out of quite a, quite a few different video game properties and uh, and comic properties. She's basically your standard witch, you know, sort kind of a um, Scarlet Witch style uh, style character. Uh, Swamp Thing, which was a a pretty big, uh, very very crazy character, you know, from the 70s and the 80s. Um, a guy named Jason Blood, who kind of transforms into a demon warrior. It's it's this huge gamut of people that you probably didn't even know really existed in DC Comics. And a lot of them go all the way back to the 70s. But anyway, really well done. Uh, the, the animated style is kind of your classic DC, uh, DC animation style. It's pretty clean, pretty well done. It's not elaborate. It's not like cel-shaded photorealistic stuff. Uh, the voice acting is quite good. You would recognize quite a few of the uh, the folks in there. They usually do not skimp on voice acting, uh, and the story is pretty decent. It's actually pretty pretty decent. It's got one or two little minor twists in there that that might actually I don't know if it'll take you by surprise, but it'll make you think a little bit. And it's just really well done. And what I came out of it with is the you know hour and fifteen minutes of the uh, you know of the of the movie was. I would have rather seen this done in live action exactly as it is, just expanded out with another about 20 minutes of screen time. I would have rather seen that than Suicide Squad. And I thought Suicide Squad was pretty well done, but you could take that basic style, that visual style. I'm not a big David Ayers fan, but you could have done that, taken Justice League Dark, and you could have had a phenomenal movie out of that. It would have been at the script and the like sort of the, the machinations in the movie, at least as good, if not slightly better, at least as good as Suicide Squad. And the characters themselves were, were pretty fascinating. So it's uh, it's pretty solid. So I, I would say that that is my one take, and I would highly recommend it. Uh, you can catch it on Netflix or probably Hulu. You can definitely get it off uh, your PSN account as well. Yeah, it's available for rent on PSN for five bucks about the HD version. It looks like iTunes, Amazon, Vudu, YouTube, and Google all have it. So lots of places you can pick it up. But yeah, it sounds pretty badass, man. Yeah, it, it's it's pretty solid. Um, so what, when I was watching that, when I kind of branched out and, and uh, was making some notes for the show on a, a couple other things, and uh, one of the one of the things I got to thinking about was I I don't know how many comic book or superhero games we have coming out in 2017. So I did, did a little search in this afternoon. I, there's not that many actually for the number of superhero movies that are coming out in terms of like big name, uh, big time games that come out. It's, it, it's not as many as you think. In fact, there's, not, there's very few. There's a lot of small games. There's a lot of tablet games that come out here and there, but there's no real big marquee games that you, you would think would come out with the number of, uh, super like there's here's one for you for the Avengers and for um, Guardians of the Galaxy. There is not a triple A styled game yet for either one of those two, which is kind of amazing to me. If you really think about it, there's not even an Iron Man one. And, and these properties have been out for a while, particularly the Avengers and Iron Man. And you could have easily made those into something pretty spectacular uh, or at least pretty enjoyable, even if it's, you know, like 10, 12 hours of gameplay, but you know, really well done. None of that's actually been done, which kind of surprised me. So I did a little, did a little checking, and right now what I'm tracking is probably the biggest title coming out that I can tell in 2017 is Injustice 2. Injustice 1, it was uh, 
made by the creators of Mortal Kombat. So Ed Boon and the gang uh, had a really kind of interesting dual worlds tech take on uh, the DC universe, sort of like good and evil, ver- or not really good and evil, primary and alternate versions of the DC world all coming coming together in a big sort of stylized uh, Mortal Kombat sort of game. The game is really well done. They do fighting games really, really well over at NetherRealm Studios. Uh, and in, and the interesting part about it, it had like about a 12, a 12 episode run of a comic book that was going to come out and sort of tell the story of injustice leading up to the game. The comic book was so well done that they carried it on and as a, as an ongoing series and it's phenomenal. I mean, the writing in it is really, really well done. And so injustice two is, is sort of picking the story back up, um, I have not gotten too much into it, but that's really the biggest one out there. And if it's as good as Injustice One, they're going to make money. It'll be good, you know, and they'll sell a lot of merch off of it. Uh, the only other two that I'm tracking is a Marvel versus Capcom fighting game, which is, you know, kind of a current gen rehash of a game that we've seen probably 15 times in the last 20 years. Um, and there is going to be a Spider-Man game later this year, probably to coincide with the actual. Uh, like Tom Holland Spider-Man movie coming out. So Spider-Man of all the of all the video game properties in terms of like a video game tied to a movie, the Spider-Man games over the years have been pretty solid. And in fact, when the original uh, Amazing Spider-Man came out on PlayStation Three, it was actually really really well reviewed, really well thought of, very neat mechanics in terms of the web swing, how you navigated in a very free flow way around the entirety of New York City. Uh, but that's the only ones I can come up with. Um, so me personally, I'm kind of I'm kind of interested in this only because there has hasn't been a lot of real heavy hitting ones, particularly on the uh, the Marvel Comics side. Uh, Rocksteady does tremendous work with the Arkham series. I I think they've done that as about it. I think I don't want them to go back to Batman again. I really want to see what Rocksteady could do with almost any other comic book character. Uh, is somebody very different than Batman, not a punchy, gadgety guy. Uh, I would I would be really interested because they tell really good stories. They're good games. They don't don't get me wrong. They're very well done games, but they tell great stories, and they really capture a lot of a, a lot of pretty deep stuff about them. So I'd really like to see if a if a studio like Rocksteady could come up with something, uh, and it'd be kind of interesting to see a you know get a take on that. One interesting one that I haven't seen is you, you don't see much Captain America um, gaming out there. I mean, you, you get the, you know, not, not so AAA, more, more for kids. But I, I feel like in terms of, you know, his story going from obviously in the past and being frozen and then adapting to, you know, modern society, I think that's there's a really good kind of chance to look at the, you know his his psychological state of, of going through that and adjusting. And it's something that, you, that kind of gets brushed over a lot. And I think the movies where they just go, oh, well, he's surprised he's in the future and now he's okay because, you know, three years have passed. I, I think something they could kind of explore that and then how he, you know, goes from the past and, and adjusting to the modern age. I think that could be really interesting to take a look at. Yeah. You know, there, there was a, um, I remember, gosh, this is probably right around when the first Captain America movie came out. There was a concept for a game pitched. It never went anywhere, but basically uh, if you took kind of the acrobatic platforming nature of something like Tomb Raider and you applied that to Captain America, and if you 
like traditionally in the um, in the comics and and to a degree in the, in the movies, he's a very fluid, ac- very acrobatic uh, sort of you know sort of fighter. So the the gameplay style could have been pretty cool. It, it would translate very well to a video game in terms of like I said the kind of platforming style, uh, you know, sort of RPGs, you know, third person style styles thing. There, there's a lot of them that I think would work really well. Uh, almost any of them, actually. You could take something like Iron Man and turn that into hell. You could turn that into a first-person shooter if you really wanted to. Um, but there's a lot of cool, cool takes on on uh, superhero st- stuff that you see in movies that don't really get translated to games. I'm kind of curious why, because particularly for a while that was a big thing when a when a superhero movie came out. There was going to be a game. Now probably seven out of 10 times the game sucked, which is probably why this is happening now. But you could take something like guardians of the galaxy and turn that into almost like a mass effect style. You know, if, if you, if you feel me there, you know, a lot of, a lot of cool snappy dialogue, some cool story choices and, you know, like some decent, decent combat mechanics. You'd have a pretty good game there and it doesn't even have to follow the movie. So that's, that's the thing that kills me. Superhero movies generally don't need to follow the movies at all. And it's usually better if they don't. It's usually better if they dig into some other, there's like pages upon pages upon pages of source material that you could pull from uh, if you wanted to. Different characters, different all kinds of things you can pull from. And you just put it, wrap it around something that the, you know, average comic book fan will know and, and, and maybe have some deep cuts in there for, uh, for the fanboys. Yeah, I mean, for sure. I mean, the the fact there hasn't been an Iron Man game for VR yet is mind-boggling to me. I mean, it it fits extremely well with the current setup you've got now. You've got, I mean, for one, he's in a suit with a helmet. So, I mean, there's that kind of cool element. You're wearing a headset, right? Um, and you've got these hand controllers. And, and one of the big disadvantages to VR games is that it's difficult to get movement right because you're typically sitting down. However, Iron Man controls where he's flying by using his hands typically so you've got that right there with with like the vive move controllers or revive or whatever um that could be badass and i'm i'm shocked they haven't started going down that path of that because disney has cannibalized its video game division over the last couple of years and really doesn't have one at the moment <sighs> just give it to somebody else it? then <laughs> Like, dude, that'd be cool. That is actually so. You know, Zell's right though, and and now that I think about that, that kind of surprises me because generally that would be a market you would think that they would want to have a pretty good, pretty good handhold into. They've killed off or shut down like everything they had going. I mean, they, oh, I'm well aware. Like, yeah, yeah, just like their Star Wars titles, they shut down. Uh, Disney Infinity, they just announced they're shutting down. Um, almost everyone they've bought in the video game space, they've since closed. That's crazy. I, I wonder if they're. I wonder if they're gonna like reopen like a Disney games like like amalgamated game studio or something at some point. But because that that really seems like that's laying a lot of uh, profit fallow, basically. Yeah, I mean it's it's weird because I mean you'll still see the Disney Interactive logo on like the Kingdom Hearts games, but we all know that Square's doing all of that work and Disney's just kind of along for the ride. It's just they they don't. Yeah, since Disney Infinity went down or is going down, uh, that was kind of their last bastion of, of game development they were doing. I mean, you might see some small one-offs here and there, but that was kind of their thing. And with that dead, it's like, okay, well, I, I guess they're kind of done now. It's well, it's very I weird. I, I don't know if, if if the strategy is that they just need like a uh, basically a content control element 
that chops out and basically submarkets out the uh, like you know creation of, of the game. You know, basically people to to make sure that the IP is represented in the game in a manner that Disney is okay with, uh, and then they just let everybody else make the games. That I, I, I they used to do that. that. They used to do it, and then they bought bought everything and brought everything in house, and then shut it all down. <laughs> it all down so yeah i i don't know if they're gonna restart licensing that out or what i mean there are still star wars games out there um you know that are, are supported like the old republic and i'd i'd like to think that they're gonna continue that and and maybe they're gonna eventually branch out but there's really just there's it, it is there really hasn't but there used to be like there's like 50 billion marvel wii games and there's really been nothing in years though since you raise a good point, though. I mean, it would be incredibly foolish not to capitalize, and we know Disney has no problem capitalizing on Star Wars doing doing games. And I, I, I'm almost wondering if, if, like you said, they brought it all in house and realized uh, we're not a, as good at making games as we are at making films, so maybe we should just kind of stop this and, and go back to what we were doing before, which would probably be for the best, I think. Uh, yeah. I mean, th- there's there's definitely something to that. Um, I, I would say that. Disney's also no slouch at making money, uh, so they can usually they, they usually find a way. So I'd be kind of interested to see what they what they're what they're looking at for all these IPs. Particularly if you think about it, like Marvel and Star Wars, like those are two things that like scream out for a game. Like on uh, on all the way from kids games to more engaging adult games, you could do a lot of stuff with those. And I'm, I'm I, I can't imagine that they're not that they don't have some form of a strategy for it, I, I think. Well, let's not forget that Visceral is working on a Star Wars game right now. Who? Visceral, the, uh, I believe they did Dead Space. Um, they've got, right now, there's a, a very, very brief uh, uh, in-game engine render that was released at, at E3 this past year. Um, as far as we know, it's going to be open world. Um, and I think they've got the uh, Amy Henning, the uh, Uncharted writer, um, behind the project. Okay. Uh, that could be kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, uh, it's supposed to be very... Uh, I don't know if you saw the uh, the little uh, gameplay doodad that they had a couple years ago for uh, 1313. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it's, it's very reminiscent uh, of, of that. So people are speculating that it'll be in the same style. Won't be that game, um, since that project was completely canned when Disney took over LucasArts. But but this new game will uh, be you know in that open world style. Uh, they're thinking. Yeah, like uh, I, so I know they're coming out with basically a uh, kind of a a soft reboot of Star Wars Battlefront. Uh, kind of. Oh I, really. Well, I, I would I would liken it unto kind of what they did with the Taken King and uh, Destiny, where they basically left the core of the game, but then they added on top of all top of it all of the things that they should have had when the game actually came out. So it's not it's not really I don't know that it's necessarily a Battlefront 2.0. It's more of like a 1.75, if you will. <laughs> um, but but that is supposed that is supposedly coming out here here in uh 2017 where the where they basically add a add first person add, add campaigns to it you know as opposed to just straight multiplayer stuff uh because battlefront's actually an incredibly well well done 
if simplistic shooter uh, does a lot of great fan service and they could do some actually put some interesting missions in there and then do some you know, do some story stuff some cutscene story stuff you could actually have some some kind of something kind of cool out of that um I would like to see something that was on the level of uh, Knights of the Old Republic, but done current gen. I, re- I really would like that quite a bit. Yeah, I don't know if we'll get that. Yeah, I don't, I don't think we will either, but I'd, I'd really like to see it. That was a an incredibly fun game uh, that really delved into a lot of neat stuff. It was one of those where it was Star Wars-y enough that you understood a lot of what was going on, but it was literally a whole different world. Uh, so kind of cool. Be kind of cool if they do that. I'd like to see a uh, kind of going back to the to the original question. I would kind of like to see a, um, a Daredevil game, uh, kind of in that the acrobatic uh, combat style that that we talked about earlier, uh, like in Tomb Raider or whatever. Yeah, that would actually go pretty well. I mean, if you look at it, any number of different heroes, it would work really well. I mean, heck, they could take uh, if you wanted like a you know kind of a you know a real uh, kind of gritty combat, like combat heavy game, you could take kind of the Netflix versions of Daredevil, Punisher, you know, Luke Cage, you know, even Iron Fist, although he, I think he does more yoga than Kung Fu. Uh, you could take that and, and make that a game. And there's a lot of neat stuff that you can do. Uh, and hey, interesting factoid, Stephen Amell actually did a voiceover and model for Injustice. Did you guys know that? I did not. That's pretty cool, though. Yeah, so they they had like the original Green Arrow uh, character in in Injustice is very much a little bit more of the uh, the comic booky style Green Arrow, but Stephen Amell came in is like on the, the very one of the very first DLCs that they had. He was a free or he was an unlock character where you got like the Arrow version of uh, of Green Arrow. It was like the Stephen Amell. He did all the voices for it. Uh, it was actually really well done. That's actually by the way one things. Uh, NetherRealm does really good is their, um, uh, and they do a lot of cross IP stuff. But so you had in the last Mortal Kombat, you had like the Predator, Alien, you had Jason uh, of Friday the 13th fame and all that other kind of stuff. It's actually kind of neat how they do that. Uh, and they've occasionally put some of the Mortal Kombat characters and the DC characters in, in fights together. And it actually, they make it work. It's actually really, really well done. But there, there'd be some cool stuff that you could you could kind of pull off. I'm not a huge fighting game fan. I like Bates' idea of picking out a couple different uh, characters that, that kind of flow well in a combat style that, that you can kind of connect with. Um, Daredevil would work pretty well, I think. Uh, Captain America could work pretty well. Anybody that sort of jumps, shoots, and punches, you can kind of make into a video game very easily. It's the problem with a lot of the superhero ones is like there's a reason you've never seen a really decent super Superman game because it's probably just as hard to do a Superman game as it is to do a Superman movie. Like, what do you actually have him fight that is plausible? That is my problem with Superman. Like, as a as the concept as the idea of a game, it's just stupid because superman's a pretty stupid character let's let's look at the old n64 game where you just fly through rings isn't that the yeah. best oh, fucking god. game ever though oh my god <laughs> don't, think, don't hate i think it's historically hailed as like the worst game ever isn't that damn et game oh right okay the <laughs> that, superman game older. is second i'm sorry I, I think they did do one where um superman himself was invincible but your health meter so to speak was damaged to the city so if yeah. you yeah. prolong the fight too long then 
you know, Metropolis would be gone and you'd lose. So that, that was that, interesting. That was actually pretty smart. Yeah, I actually kind of like that idea. I, I remember that game now. Uh, I think it was a Sega, right? Uh, I don't recall. I just remember hearing about that mechanic. Now, so I think I think that would actually be pretty cool. Now, here's one for you. What they could do is kind of pull a, pull a suicide, suicide Squad page. And if you went down the road of like a Rocksteady-style game, uh, or a Bioware or yeah, Bioware type game or correction, Bioshock. Um, and you maybe did it from the villain point of view. That would be pretty fascinating that, that I could get behind. Now you, you would have to be really smart about what villains that you were willing to pick, uh, so that it wouldn't get too kind of over the top, but you could actually, that, that to me would be, that'd be a fresh take on something. You take something around that quality or that quality in terms of the producer and then overlay it from the villain side. That that could be pretty fascinating. Just yeah, wanted... I mean, there's. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead, go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. I'm I'm closing oh, it up. I, 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 I was just going to say that that super mega that we mentioned was, uh, was an EA game uh, with ah. the with the mechanic. So it was uh, Xbox, Xbox 360, and PS2. Oof, that's old. <laughs> it's been 2006. a while. God, jeez. It's amazing to think that you had just, you know, uh, 10, 11 years ago, we were still making PS2 games. Well, we forgot yeah, right. about it. We forgot about it because 2007 was like the golden year of, of video gaming. So That's what true. came out in 2007? Everything. Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> Don't question it. Just look it up. Video games in 2007, you're going to be like, oh my god, this oh, year was shit. great. That Uncharted came out that year, didn't it? And Portal and like everything yeah, else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I got you now. It's kind of like the N64 Golden Age where Nintendo couldn't make a bad game and everything was just amazing. And then, well, we know where that went. But, oh yeah, anyways, so um, I think we'll probably bring this one for a close. We're, we're looking pretty good on time here. So is there anything else you guys wanted to add real quick before we uh, bring it in for shoutouts? The cake is a lie. The cake is a lie. You'll never see a Portal 3. All right, guys, so let's go into shoutouts. Zell, I didn't see yours in the list, so do you have one this week? I'm giving my shout-out to Global Warming. Um, <laughs> it, was, uh, it was over 60 degrees uh, all weekend. It's supposed to be 65 or something tomorrow. Um, I, tomorrow is technically not a holiday for me, but I'm taking it off of work anyways. All right. Okay, Bate, you're up. I just want to say that I like how anything over 60 degrees is worth celebrating to Zell. I put my coat on when it's 60 degrees because I'm in Arizona. I don't even put a coat on. I put pants on. But uh, <laughs> I, uh, I think my... I don't, I don't have a shout-out this week. Like, Oh, wait. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. Um, so currently, Jadik is posting in the Incorruptibles Discord chat about a uh, station ad for EO Online that he's going to make that uh, should it get approved, you'll be seeing in stations all across New Eden soon. So it, it is very good. Do do we even want to know? Is it like actually serious or is it traditional Jadic uh, it, insanity? It's a little bit of traditional Jadic insanity and what you'd expect from uh, Ripley Riley and our bunch of people. Oh god, it's good, help us it's all. good shit. Discord channel is a special place. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Jay, you're up, man. Uh, okie dokie. Uh, I'm gonna give a shout out to Disney Video Game Interactive Entertainment, whatever the hell they used to call themselves. Uh, so I did discover Tron Runner, which is a kind of a little runnery tra- platform game for about 20 bucks on PlayStation Network. 
probably a little bit pricey, but very well done in the style of Tron Legacy. And uh, I kind of like that. I like the BPM music, and it's kind of just fun, sort of mindless, sitting there just kind of doing the the uh, you know, kind of the platform jumping. So shout out for that one. And I'd like to give a shout out to. Hang on, let me pull it up. Uh, let's see. Who put this thing together? Veritas Productions. Uh, it's a YouTube channel. They basically uh, pull together a lot of the uh, sort of the pop culture uh, music videos that, uh, and then they or music, and then they set them to sort of movies and things that we would like to watch. So they t- took the uh, Kaleo way uh, way down we go from the Logan trailer song, and then they recut it. Uh, Arsonist Lullaby by uh, Hozier. They overlaid that on top of like the Punisher uh, scenes from the Punisher and the Netflix series. Uh, so really, really well done. Pretty, pretty solid movie choices or music choices uh, based on the genre. So I'm digging it. Uh, and I, th- I'm, my assumption is he got the idea from watching that really wicked uh, trailer number one for Logan when they had Johnny Cash's Hurt playing, which I, I thought was perhaps one of the best trailers I've seen of a movie ever. So that was my shout out. For sure, man. Um, hmm, for me, let's see. Uh, I guess I'll be boring and give my shout out to the uh, Square Enix team in Frankfurt putting together a really good show for FanFest. Uh, definitely brought the uh, the hype to new levels for for the expansion for, for Final Fantasy. So, uh, props to them for for keeping me very interested and in, in forking out money every month to play their game. So, that being said, we're gonna bring this one for a close. Once again, if you want to be on the show, if you have any topics you want us to discuss, please let us know. Uh, hit us up on Twitter, email, whatever you prefer. All the information is on the website at biomass.net or biomass.com. And, uh, yeah, so everyone out there, have a real safe uh, holiday if you've got the day off. Um, if not, still be safe, of course. But, uh, yeah, so we're bringing us in for a close, and everyone have a good night.